Well, good morning. Week after Easter, you guys are the hardcore people in the church. Woohoo! Yeah, you made it back. Yeah, I love it. Welcome. We uh, we actually kicked off a series last week. We're going to continue on for several weeks called Undeniable. And we looked at last week the undeniable event of the resurrection and how how it not only is undeniable in its truth, it's undeniable in its implications for our lives. That if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, we kind of, we kind of preempted this last week, that it has radical implications for our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. And the, and the undeniable event left us with an undeniable choice to follow and receive Jesus Christ or not. And if you've said yes to Jesus Christ and you're following Him, then it has radical implications for our lives. So really for the next three weeks, we're going to look at what some of those implications are. Because when you encounter the resurrected Christ, it changes everything, does it not? It changes how we look at life. It changes how what we want out of life. We want to start living for God and, and doing the right thing. There's an unquenchable desire to know Him more. We want to be used by Him and useful to Him by sharing what He's given us and, and telling others about His wonderful grace. Most of all, it changes our heart. You got little hearts on your chair? Yeah, you can shake them. (laughs) It changes our heart. It changes uh, how we love. And it's like this because he's loved us so completely and so fully and so adequately through Jesus Christ. Because that sacrifice that he made in our behalf is so wrapped in love that we can't help but love others. And we can't help but love God. The most, most natural response to being loved is to, is to love, is to return love. Unless you're in that awkward situation where you've been dating for a while, and then the person you're dating says, I love you, and you think in the back of your head, I like you a whole lot. Have you ever been there? And even in that moment, you want to say, I love you too, just to like be nice, right? Other than that situation, every time you're loved, the response is to love back. That is what it means to live an undeniable life. That our lives, if there's one characteristic of that following Jesus Christ has made a difference in our life, it's that we would live a life of love. And you think about it, love is really is the answer to every relationship problem that you and I face. If you and I want a better relationship in our marriage not just have a better spouse, but have a better relationship with your spouse, then the answer is love. Real, authentic, genuine, God-inspired love. If you want a better uh, harmony and relationship with your kids, then the answer to that problem is what? It's love. If If you have a hostile work environment and you want to see relationships changed in that hostile work environment, the answer to that problem is what? It's love. Every relationship problem in our lives can be solved by the God-inspired love that He gives us. And look, we may never be theologians and we may never um, um, uh, have that uh, on um, on our repertoire, but if we get this right, if we get love right, we've got a lot, don't we? 
So let's look, if you will, in the scriptures together. We talked a lot last week about the resurrection and how there were eyewitness accounts to the resurrection. And one of those people was the the apostle John. And so we're going to be looking from a lot of scriptures from the gospel of John or John uh, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John. He was an eyewitness to the resurrection. And he goes over and over again in his books and in his writings that he gives this theme of love. In fact, if you read the, the book of 1st John, it says love dozens and dozens and dozens of times. This was a big deal to him. And so what John is saying is if the resurrection is really true, then it ought to change how we love. And so he impact, unpacks what that looks like. You can follow along in 1st John chapter 3, starting in verse 11. And it uh, says this. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should what? Love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we what? Love each other. Let me skip down. And then it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but in actions and in truth. So John really lays out for us a very um, compelling case for love, that your issue and my issue oftentimes in life is that we just have a love issue. And when we get this right, when, when we love like he described, and we start laying down our lives for other people, when we really embrace the life sacrifice of Christ and we start loving like he loved us, it's spectacular. It's beautiful. It's eye-catching. It's, it's so different from what we normally see that we sit up and we take notice. That's what, how beautiful love can be. Now, I thought it was interesting. Maybe you caught this. He said that if we really love well, the world will hate us. Now, why in the world would the world hate us if we love well? Do you know why? Because it exposes them for their lack of love. The, and did you notice the example he gave of Cain and Abel? Cain and Abel were brothers and they brought sacrifices to God. And Cain brought a sacrifice that was not of his first fruits, was not of his best, and he offered it to God. And then Abel came and it says he brought his very best to God. And when Abel showed his great love for God by bringing his best, it exposed Cain for his lack of love for God. And he became insanely jealous of Abel. And he kills his brother for it. So if we really love like God calls us to love, it exposes people's deficiencies, sin, and their own need for God. If we acted like the rest of the world, would they embrace us? Yes, they will. Absolutely. Because we'll fit right in and we'll look just like them and there'll never be the moment where they get exposed for their lack of love. 
But when we love like God calls us to love, it's different. Real love is countercultural than what you and I normally see day to day. And it looks radical. It looks so different to the rest of the world. So imagine yourself at the water cooler and people are dogging out another coworker. And other people are piling on and, oh, yeah, and they're that and they're this and I can't believe them. And did you hear this? And they're throwing in gossip and there's slander and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And countercultural love looks different than that. You don't pile on. Maybe you walk away. Maybe you don't say anything. Or maybe if you're bold, you even call them out. And you might be showing love to a coworker that you don't even like but that you've chosen to love. See, real love looks radically different than the world. I'll just say it this way. Real love stands out. In a, love where we sing about, in a world where we sing about love and we talk about love and we love this and we love that, real, genuine, God-like love stands out and is different to, the, to our culture. In fact, Jesus said this. Listen to this. In John 13, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you what? Love one another. Jesus says, look, the the most compelling, the most obvious characteristic of a follower of mine is this one idea of love. And he says, if you want to figure out who my real followers are, look around and see who is showing genuine love for other people. Those are my disciples. The people that don't just give lip service to love, but love with actual action and in truth. And act in a loving way. See, it's so easy to say, I love you. But it's a lot harder to show, I love you. Now, I'm raising daughters. One's 14 and one's 11. And the boys are already noticing my girls. Everybody else in the same boat as me? I was talking to Steve and the children this morning. And he said, I don't like it. <laughs> I said, I don't either. But I've been, ta- you know, the guys that are going to try to date my daughters, they're going to have a hard time. Because I'm prepping them. And here's what I'm telling my daughters. I'm saying, look, it's really easy for the boy to say, I love you. And it's really easy for them to tell you what you want to hear. But if they really love you, they're going to show that they love you. They're going to treat you well. They're going to listen to you. They're going to open the door for you. They're going to admit when they're wrong. They're going to be a gentleman. They're going to keep their hands to themselves. Or daddy's getting involved. (laughs) See, real love, like the scriptures, the first one we read, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Man, it's so, it's such a different plane. It's such a different level of love when we demonstrate love. With our lives. Now, did you find it interesting that Jesus said, he said, this is a new command I give you. To love one another. They said, well, wait a minute. If you're paying attention, the first verse we read said, for this is the message you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. So one scripture that John wrote said, hey, love has always been the command from the very beginning. In Deuteronomy and in Genesis and all along, the command has been to love God and love our neighbor and to love ourselves and to love others. 
And yet Jesus comes along and then he says, a new command I give you, love one another. So which is it? Well, here's the new part. Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So here's the new part. He said, Jesus says, the standard has gotten raised. The bar has gotten raised. Now the new command is you don't love each other like you think you should love one another. He's looking at the disciples when he says this. As I have loved you these past three years and I've toiled for you and I've labored for you and I've washed your feet and I've been kind to you and I've been patient with you. As I have loved you, so you must now love one another. And the new command is to love Others like Jesus has loved us. That takes it up a few notches, doesn't it? But that is our standard. See, love. Here's what you got to understand. Real love is received from God and then given to others. And when he so told the disciples, hey, love others, he, he didn't give them some uh, theoretical experience. He said, just go by how I've treated you, and that's how you love one another. The way you've received my love is the same method and measure that you give my love. I'll say, okay. Well, what does that look like Practically. I've got, I got one idea here I want to share with you. It's kind of broken up into two parts. But real love, if we're going to love like Jesus loved, real love shows first, but goes last. Real love shows first, but goes last. What do I mean by that? Shows first simply means this, that we don't wait for the other person to make the move, but that we go first. See, real love always makes itself vulnerable. Real love always takes the first step. If we really love people, that we won't wait for them to show love and then we reciprocate back, but we make the first step. Listen to what how this is how God loves us. In uh, Romans chapter 5, it says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God went first. He offered his love to us way before you and I even had an inkling that we were interested in God. Before we had any desire for God, he he reached out to us and he continues to reach out to us. Whether that love is received or not, whether that love is ever reciprocated or not, God is always extending his love for us because love doesn't depend on the response. You know, we call God our Father, and then we should because that's scriptural, right? God the Father. And the love of the Father. And for some of us that grew up in a home where God the Father gives us a, a warm fuzzy and we, we, we can picture a father who is loving or a mother who is loving in this idea of a parent, this parental love, some of us that is like in the sweet spot because we experience that. And then some of us didn't have that kind of experience. And that's very difficult to picture. But when it's good, when that parental relationship is good, there's really not another love like that, is there? I mean, a mama will carry that baby for nine months sacrificially before that child's ever said mama, before that child's ever hugged her, before that child's ever done anything for mama. Mama carries the baby for nine months and then goes through the, the toil of delivery and then gets up and feeds that child and takes care of that child and, and nurtures that child. 
I mean, mama's love goes way first, doesn't it? And it's very self-sacrificing. You know, I, um, I was praying this morning. Um, I was like, you know, Lord, I want to experience your love and I want to share your love today. And I just want to know your love in a fresh way this morning. And, and uh, I was <clears throat> having my quiet time and then I was preparing for the sermon and kind of waiting for that special moment. And it, pastor confession, never really happened. And so I'm walking out the door and I'm putting my shoes on in the garage and the door opens behind me and I turn around and it's my youngest daughter, Shay. And I, and I didn't think she'd be up. It was early. And I said, what you doing? She said, well, I, I ran down here, daddy. I ran down here. And I said, did you come down here just to say goodbye to me? She said, yeah. I just wanted to say goodbye to you, dad. And then I thought, that's, that's just a little picture of God's love that, that he would come running down the stairs and open the door just to come and say goodbye to you and to you and to you and to me. Because he, his love is amazing. And I got just a little picture again of, of what a God's love is. Sometimes it's like the love of a daughter will have for her daddy. It's a beautiful thing. So if we're going to love like God loves, we're supposed to show our love first. If we're going to love like Jesus loves, then we're going to show our love first. If the resurrection is really true, then we should love our, show our love first. If you're in a relationship right now where you're not talking to someone, you have an opportunity to show love first. If you're in a relationship right now where you're avoiding someone, you have an opportunity to show love first. If you're in a relationship right now where you're waiting for them to say, I'm sorry, or waiting for them to make the first move, or waiting for them to come crawling back on their knees, you have an opportunity to show love first. If you've got a wall up, you got an opportunity to show love first. Just like our Heavenly Father has shown His love first. See, real love shows first. But it also goes last. So let's talk about going last. Real love goes last. That means we put other people to the willingness to be inconvenienced. The willingness to be inconvenienced. See, love isn't a feeling. Our culture wants to make it into a feeling. Our culture wants to say love is something we fall in and out of. It's none of those things. See, love is a choice you and I make. Love is a choice. It's it's the idea of willingly being self-sacrificing for the needs and the benefits of other people. That's what love is. You know this verse. John wrote it. John 3.16 For God so loved the world. What's the next word? That He That he gave. See, that was self-sacrificing on his part. Loving equals giving. Loving equals giving. We give up. Sometimes giving means giving up our rights to be right. Sometimes giving means we give them of our time and our attention and our energy. Sometimes it means giving of our resources to others. Sometimes it means giving up what we want to do in order to be inconvenienced by someone else. And sometimes it means we go out of our way to meet someone else's needs. See, that's how God has loved us. And that's what he's called us to do as well. 
There are millions of examples in scriptures. I thought of a few with with the help of some others. We have the story of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus said, you want to know what love is? He says, listen, there's a a priest and a Levite. They pass by a guy who's been beaten and left for dead on the side of a road. And then a Samaritan who's the bad guy, he stops. He bandages the wounds of the hurt man. He puts him on an augie. He takes him to an inn. He, He is inconvenienced. Pays for the man to be held up so that real love is demonstrated not by what we say we are, but what we actually do. He tells, there's another story in the scripture where a woman who had been forgiven by Christ comes and weeps at the feet of Christ. And she wipes his feet with her tears and uses her hair. And she shows, she demonstrates, she takes uh, a perfume, expensive perfume, and pours it on the feet of Christ to demonstrate her love for him. There's a story in the Old Testament of a prophet named Hosea. And God says, I want to show you how much I love the people of Israel, my people. And he says, I want you to go marry a harlot named Gomer. He marries a prostitute by God's design and the woman keeps running away and he keeps going and finding her and bringing her back. And he says, I want you to know that's how I love you. That you can't run away from me. I'm going to pursue you. I'm the God who loves you. And yet I think the greatest example in all of Scripture is found near the end of Christ's life in Luke chapter 23 when he says this. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there. Speaking of Christ, along with the criminals, one at his right and the other at his left. And in the midst of the betrayal of his friends, in the midst of excruciating pain, in the midst of of suffering under the weight and the condemnation of our sin, facing death and the judgment of God imminent in his life, Jesus hangs on the cross and this is what he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. I mean, have you ever... Can you even conceive, can we even wrap our head around the kind of love it took to say those words? And Jesus showed us all that real love goes first and shows last. And if you've ever doubted that God loves you, think about what Christ did for you and think about how he feels about you. And that's how he loves you right there. Now, I think we could all, if we pulled the room, if I asked you to text in or if I went person by person and I said, do you think that if we showed genuine love that it would benefit our lives and the lives of people around us? I think every single one of us would say, yeah, it does or it would. Then here's my question. Why don't we show that kind of love more? I mean, we all know it's the answer, but why is it so hard to do? I think um, I think the reality is that we've got to embrace is because we are all incapable of loving this way in and of ourselves. Did you hear what I said? You and I can't do this. We can't live like uh, love like Jesus loved when he says, so you love one another as I've loved you. And demonstrating love, even though people might reject us. These are things we 
can't do on our own. It requires the help of God. Listen, I love this passage. Romans 5, 5. Listen to what the scripture says. Here's the answer. It says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Did you hear what happened? When you and I say yes to Jesus Christ, the love of Almighty God, the love that is uncontainable and unquantifiable, gets poured into your heart and your heart and your heart and my heart, and it can be the source of us loving others because we have been so fully and completely loved. And all we have to do is respond to His love. See, if I, if I know I'm struggling to love my wife or to love my kids or to love my coworker or to love my neighbor, the temptation is to conjure up something in me. All right, I just, if I just harden up, just determine that I can do it or just decide I'm going to do it, then I can just love them well. And I fall short. And I might be able to love them in the good times or when things are right or when they're meeting my needs or when everything's okay. But when it gets hard to love, Man, that's really where I fall short. Now, you and I, we're not a love faucet, you know, in the sink. We can't just turn it on and let it come pouring out of us. We're not, we're not wired that way. Did you see where the faucet is? It said, um, God's love has been poured into our hearts. And so the faucet is God himself and he pours. We're just a cup and we just go to God and we say, God, would you fill my cup? Would you overflow me with your love so that when your love pours in, it just overflows into my life. And I'm so full of love. I can freely give love to others and pour out into every relationship around me because I'm so full of the love that you've poured into me. And that. That's how we love like Christ loved. Because if I'm full of love and I extend love and they don't return love, am I still full of love? Come on, somebody help me out. Yeah. But if I'm empty and I, and I got just a drop or two left and I pour out the last bit of my love and I don't get anything in return, am I going to be bitter about that? Am I going to be upset about that? Am I going to hold a grudge about that? Absolutely I am because I'm looking for someone else to fill my cup when God says I'm ready to pour it all in and let it overflow in your life. The source of love that you're looking for is not out there. It's up here. It's in me. And I want to pour my love into your life. Let this ruminate in your head. God wants to love the people in your life perfectly through you. God wants to love the people in your life, perfectly through you. As you receive His love and pour His love out into other people, He wants to do that. I, I don't care who you are, what your background is, that's God's agenda for your life. Is to love this, live this undeniable life of love. And the reason some of us can't love like this is we've never received and experienced God's love. I mean, we've talked about it, you've heard about it, you know about it, but you never experienced it. You still think that you're trying to earn something with God. You still think that you've got to prove something to God. You still think that God's weighing your good and bad on a scale. And God says, no, I love you no matter what. Let me pour it in. And then others of us, we just think we're the faucet. 
And we don't go to God daily. We don't go to His well that wants to pour in us. And we, we neglect the daily drinking deeply of God. And I can tell you, it is my practice and it is my desire every day to get alone with God. And if for no other reason, if you struggle to have a quiet time, if you struggle to have devotions and read your Bible and to pray, then this ought to be a pretty great motivator to do it. Because I know when I don't spend time with God and let Him pour into me, I love really terribly. Don't ask my family. And you do too. But... If we'll drink deeply of his love. See, the problem is, is our cup gets emptied out when people say harmful things to us or life doesn't go our way or, or, or circumstances press in or, or uh, financial problems or, or, you know, all these things. They sort of cause holes in our cup and we need to go back to the well of God over and over again and let him fill us up and be full of his love. And quit trying to love on our own. But let God love people through us. So I can tell you this. Real love is received from God and given to others. That's it. And the more readily you and I embrace God's love for us, the more free we are to love others. Isn't that good? If you say, I'm having trouble loving someone, I'm having trouble loving my enemy, I'm having trouble loving my spouse, I'm having trouble loving my boss, then the problem is not your spouse or your enemy or your boss, is it? The problem is, is you haven't drank deep enough from the love of God. Because when we get full of God's love, listen to this, when it's that cup is full... We can't keep it to ourselves. It overflows. It's a, it's a natural byproduct of being loved as we overflow the love of Christ into the lives of others. It's a by, we don't have to work for it. We just got to get closer to Him. We just got to remember the depth of our sin. We just got to remember how great His sacrifice was. We just got to remember how awesome our God is and how much He loves us. And then when we get in tune with that, we won't have any trouble loving people. You know, that sounds good until it doesn't get reciprocated. Or when things don't go our way and we don't get what we want. But if we're full of his love, it won't matter. Did you hear me? That, that is the undeniable life. That's what this world can't understand. That's what will be countercultural to the people you live around is when you love people and they don't like you and you love them anyway, they will take note of that. Man, I pray we can learn how to love. I pray that I can learn how to love better. I got a video I want to show you. It's a, it's a little story about what real genuine love can look like in our lives, just in the daily, everyday moments of life, and we can learn to embrace authentic love. Take a look at this video, will you?
most trophies are made of metal and plastic, but they're won with sweat. And when it comes to wrestling in Georgia, next to the state championship, there is no trophy more coveted than one from the South Metro Tournament, the oldest meet in the state. Uh, it's a big deal. For the team at McIntosh High School in Peachtree City, it's on their minds from the first practice of the season. It's the one tournament you really want to work hard for. During his junior year, few worked harder at McIntosh than Demetrius Damas, who has learned to love the sport. You have two things going on at once. The physical side, uh, should I pull here, should I grab here, should I hit here, and the mental side. His coach says Demetrius has the qualities you need to be a good wrestler. Strong, aggressive, uh, for me, coachable. And he says the biggest heart, a heart that's still healing. January 7th, 2006, he uh, was in a helicopter crash in Talfar, Iraq, and didn't make it out of it. Demetrius's dad, Army First Lieutenant David Damas, died while serving our country when Demetrius was just 10 years old. His dad and he were like bosom buddies. And I think that that fact of no longer having that presence there has been difficult. I felt like it was up to me and my brother to become the men of the family. No one should have to grow up so fast. But somehow Demetrius never grew bitter. That's why, when it came time for the South Metro Wrestling Tournament, he was ready for a very special match. Meet one of the most popular kids at Georgia's Union Grove High School, Michael Lynn. Michael was born with Down syndrome. Like Demetrius, Michael is also a wrestler. He joined the team for two reasons. One, he loves professional wrestling. I like the WWE. And two, he loves being around his teammates. Because they're my friends. They're my guys and they're friends. Though he was on the team, Michael never had the chance to actually wrestle in a meet. That is until the 2012 South Metro Tournament. I was excited, a little nervous too, because I wasn't sure how it was going to be received by everybody. The coach at Union Grove called the coach at McIntosh and asked him if they had a team member who would agree to wrestle Michael in an exhibition match. The person to step up was none other than Demetrius Damas. Speaks a lot about him to not only agree to do it, but the way he did it. Hundreds of people were there that night at Union Grove, including 40 teams of wrestlers. And it seemed almost everybody stopped to watch and to wonder how Demetrius would handle it. He hates losing, so it was just like, what is he going to do? I was thinking to myself, well, if I could only wrestle one time, if I could only experience this one time with the crowd watching me and the cameras on me, how would I want it to be? And so I tried to make it as fun and as special as possible so you can have something to remember. Winning takes skill. What Demetrius did took character. He didn't just lay down and let Michael win. He made him earn it. Demetrius took Mikey down a couple of times. Mikey took Demetrius down a couple of times.
when it was over, through tears, most saw that Michael Lind was the winner, but Demetrius was the champion. He comes over, and I just gave him a big hug, and I said, thank you. The reason I started to cry was to, to, because I stopped to think about Demetrius and how he took his time and his focus away from what he was there to do and to do this for my son. <laughs> That's going to make me cry again. Though he received a standing ovation from the crowd and hugs from his teammates for a job well done, Demetrius still didn't think he did anything that special. In fact, the first time his mom found out about all this was when we told her. He never said a word. Anything that he does to help somebody, he figures everybody should be doing it. So what's the big deal? Strength doesn't come from the gym. It comes from the soul. It brought something out of me. It just made me feel like I need to become a better person myself and try to amount to what he was doing. To show compassion and love towards somebody else that may not be as fortunate as they are. That's a blessing. There is no trophy for what Demetrius Demaz did that night, only the reward of knowing, for some, it will be a memory that will gather no dust. I love you, man. You're, you're cool. You're a good guy. Yeah. Beautiful, isn't it? When real, authentic love is on display, it's beautiful. It's life-changing. People take notice. See, Demetrius could have had a heart filled with bitterness, and he didn't. He could have been focused on a championship in wrestling, and he was inconvenienced. Because he chose to show love to a young man he had never met. And guys, that is the life God has called us to. Not to follow rules, not to just show up for church, not to just say we're a Christian, but to live our lives out of our hearts, out of this place where we, we love and our response to life is love. You've got the little candies in your seat to remind you. Man, don't settle for anything less than living life from your heart. To freely expressing love because freely you've received it, freely you can now give it. Man, God didn't qualify us to, to earn His love. God didn't have expectations for us to, to meet before we get His love. He poured out His love through His Son, Jesus Christ, that you and I might experience it. And I want you to just pause for a second. Just, just stop everything else and think about the love that God has for you right at this moment. Think about how He's demonstrated His love for you in this moment. Think about the fact that He made you. That he has sustained you. And that without any inkling of desire for him, he died on the cross for your sins and rose to offer you new life. And every day he wants to pour his love into your heart. And this morning you might be the place where you never have received the love of God and you're ready to receive His love. Or maybe you've just sort of drifted away from that love and you're ready to drink deeply of it again. I want you to pray with me as we pray together. God in heaven, we thank you that you're a God in one word is encapsulated with this idea of love. 
that you're willing to give, you are willing to sacrifice, you are willing to make relationship with us possible. And only one reason for that, that you went through all the pain of a death and a resurrection is your love. And God, there's not a person within the sound of my voice that you don't love intimately and deeply. And Father, if there's anyone this morning that has never received your love, they didn't think they were worthy of your love, they didn't think they could earn or deserve your love, they're right, they're not worthy, but and yet you love them anyway. And I pray that those people this morning will say, yes, Jesus, pour your love into my heart. I confess my sin and I believe that you've loved me enough to die on the cross and rise from the dead. I, I receive your love today, Jesus. And Father, I know that there's others here who, who've claimed your love in their life and yet and just through a series of events or, or, or just time has gotten away from them and they realize they're not drinking deeply of your love. God, would they just take a big gulp right now and know by faith that you love them and you're pouring your love into their hearts. God, I pray that you challenge us. God, that there be one person in our life, if there's one relationship that we need to go first, God, that you'd bring conviction in those lives. And God, that you would make a point in our lives right now, we'd decide that we're going to go first and we're not going to wait and we're not going to make them make the first move. We're going to go to that person and show them real love. And God, maybe there's others here. We've just realized that that we've gone back to being self-serving and self self um fulfilling in our love god that you would change us and you'd allow us to go last and god as we love somebody in our life that will go uh will put their needs ahead of our own maybe it's someone we haven't even met that needs to know the gospel maybe it's somebody that we we at work that we're not even that close with but we see that they're hurting god that you would allow us to show and go with your love god we thank you that you've loved us so completely. We worship you now. We thank you. And we want to respond with, from, with your love by loving ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.